0: Hallelujah! Oh, could just uh, just stay there for a while, Amen. Hey, I have um, so um, if you weren't here at the beginning of the service, Pastor Donnie is is not feeling so good, so he and Miss Rhonda are staying home uh, today. They'll be back, I'm sure they'll be back in the office this week. But but um, so if you're here for the first time and you haven't heard Pastor Donnie before, please come back next week. I'm Steve Olson, I'm the associate pastor, but if you haven't heard Pastor Donnie, you haven't heard the real voice of this church, amen? And he is an amazing teacher, and he misses all of you, all of us today, but uh, but be sure to be here next week. So he's going to be talking about the um, uh, authority that we have next week. Today, there's a, um, there's kind of a topic that's been mulling around in my, my mind for a long time. I've been studying it for a while, and I told Pastor Donnie the next time, next, next time he asked me to, to, uh, uh, to teach on a Sunday morning, this is what I'm gonna talk about. So let me just open with a, with a few scriptures here. So, um, the first one is Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. And I'm reading predominantly from the New King James Version. And it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, here it is, when He had him by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. You're very familiar with this verse. It says, "'Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation.'" Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. How many how many would say this morning, that describes me? Yeah. Sometimes I may not feel like it, but I am a new creation because I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So all things have become new. And then the, the, the third passage I want to read is First Peter 224. And you'll recognize this one as one that we quote a lot for healing. But we're gonna talk about it from a different perspective today. It says, who himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, meaning the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Today, I'm gonna to talk about freedom from sin. It's it's not one of those topics that, you know, that's gonna cause a lot of screaming screaming and yelling and 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 uh you know, shouts of joy or anything like that, but it's something that we need to talk about as the body of Christ, Amen. So we just read that from Second Corinthians 5:17 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then in First Peter 2:24 we said, we read, He bore our sins, talking about Jesus again. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree or on the cross that we, having died to sins or been forever separated from sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So does God do, when God does something, does he do anything halfway? No, uh -uh. no, it's always a completed work. That's why when we pray for the McIntyres, you know, we're seeing improvement, but we know God's still moving in their family because the work isn't done yet. When Jesus died on the cross, the work that he did was complete. There was nothing left to do. Now we talk about that, you know, we have eternal life. We know and, and a lot of people view that salvation as nothing more than fire insurance, meaning that if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can be assured that you'll never experience the, the the fires of hell. And that's true. But there's so, so, so much more. Amen? And we've talked about that a lot in church. Pastor Donnie talks about that every week, but it's the completed work of Jesus. And one of those things is He did the work. He bore our sins. Just like just like He bore, according to Matthew 8.17, He bore our sicknesses and diseases. He took care of them. So, and what you'll see as we, as we get started here, and this is kind of what I've been studying out, is there's a, simil- there's a lot of similarity in how we appropriate healing as to how we eliminate sin from our lives, a lot of similarities. And it's not by mistake, I don't think, that 1 Peter 2.24 covers both of those things. So, And, and, and so we're going to get into that. But let me, let me start by saying this. When we received Jesus, his death, and, and in the Bible, when you see the word death, it's separation. It just means completely separated uh, when, when we received Jesus, his death to sin became our death to sin, right? It became our death to sin by the substitutionary work that he did for us. And we've talked about this before, but, but when he went to the cross, did he have sins of his own to die for? No, no. He lived a completely sinless life. He took our our sicknesses too. He bore our sicknesses on the cross. Did he have his own sicknesses to to deal with? No, I don't believe he did. He did it all for us. Everything that he did on the cross, he did for us. So it belongs to him. I'm sorry, it belongs to us because he did it for us. Now let let me start then by saying, okay, so what is sin? What is sin? You know, at the, at the simplest, and just, just trying to keep this simple, this, at the simplest level, sin is moving, doing something to move away from God. So, something that God isn't pleased with, something that we know we shouldn't do. Now, there are some things that we just know. We know from all the Old Testament and the New Testament, too, that we should not be worshiping idols. And we don't usually have that so much in our, in our culture. There are other cultures in other countries that have that. That's a real issue. But although we can be worshiping other things that, that, that may, we may not have an idol for, but anything that draws us away from God like that, and that we're giving the attention that, that God should have to something else, we know that's sin. There are things that 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 uh, you know. I, I remember um, in the youth in, the, in a youth group growing up when I was in church. I remember you know the the worst. It seemed like the worst thing that, could, that a person could ever do would would be to go to an R rated movie. It's like my goodness, did you hear this person went to an R rated movie? And we know that you know I mean sitting in front of something and watching other people sin is probably not a good thing. You know, if, if we're seeing, uh, you know, watching somebody killing other people, that's going to be sinful for us too. We know God's not pleased with that. If we see them doing, doing immoral things, if we're watching that, that's probably sinful for us too. But it's simply those things that, that draw us away from God. In a way, you could even see it as kind of building a wall or putting a separation between us and God. Those are the things that we want to avoid. So, um, so let me read a couple more scriptures that follow the same vein. Romans six, and I tell you, understanding sin and the power over sin, Romans six is a great place to read from. I'm going to start with verses six and seven. It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Let's skip down to verse 10. It says, for the death that he died, talking about Jesus, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves or look to yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I love this, verse 12. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in, his, in its lusts. And do not present the members your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And this is the most important thing here. It says in verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, under, or, but you're under grace, shall not have dominion or control or power over you. It does not because of the work that Jesus did. So, but what was that last part? For you are not under law, but under grace. So let's talk about that a minute. Because if we're under grace, and some have heard this teaching before, if we're under grace, then we can just go on sinning. It doesn't matter, right? And that's not the case. That's not the case. It doesn't matter. In fact, Paul addressed it right away. So look at Romans 15 and 16. He said, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Verse 16 says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, that you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? No. So God doesn't give us grace so we can just go do what we want. God gives us grace. Now, first of all, You know, so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sicknesses, for our sins, and we're talking mostly about the about the sins right now. He died on the cross to separate us from those things. And in fact, to take that sin nature away from us, and we'll talk a little bit about that, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then he gave us grace, not so that we could just do whatever we want. Because grace is a supernatural empowerment, directly from God, right? So grace doesn't empower is he going to give us an empowerment to go sin? Of course not. No, he gives us that empowerment to keep ourselves clean, to stay away from sin. That's what the grace is for in this context. So 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 Titus 2:14 says, who gave himself for us, again, that's Jesus, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. We talked about this in a Friday morning prayer meeting recently, but, you know, look at how God views us. Individually and collectively, he has set us apart. Once we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he set us apart as people just for Him, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Second Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation, His own special people. The King James Version says, a peculiar people. And we are peculiar. If we're living the life that God has for us, we are peculiar. <laughs> we're different than the world. We stick out. We're a light in the darkness. Amen? Uh, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then... Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1, I'm going to read this from the Amplified. It says, Therefore, since we have these great and wonderful promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, completing holiness, living a consecrated life, a life set apart for God's purpose in the fear of God. So we just completed uh, our annual days of prayer and fasting last Sunday, and, and one thing that really came out of that was was God has a lot for us. We need to be consecrated to Him. We need to set ourselves apart and let Him set, uh, set us apart for His work, for His good work, to show His love to the masses. Folks, we live in a hurting world, don't we? We live in a world of people that are just confused, don't know what to do, It's just mass hysteria. And so they found ways to medicate themselves. Maybe they drink. Maybe they take drugs. You know, whatever. But people yearn for what you have. People need what you have, what I have. And that is the Holy Spirit inside of us and the power that that entails. In order to to be that light in the darkness, we've got to walk in the light, so so let's back up in m- a minute. So, so we said that then that Jesus purged our sins, he cleansed us, and he separated us. He, he himself died to sin, and so we've died to sin also, and that we're a new creation. So, why do we keep sinning? Because all of us. All of us have something that the devil pokes in, and that's the answer. It's, I mean, the, the devil really does. It's all about deception. It's all about getting us to sin. And the devil, just like sickness, the devil doesn't want us to be victorious in healing because that's a dangerous thing for his kingdom, isn't it? And it's the same thing for, for sin because sin separates us from God Then if he can keep us in sin, then we'll never be able to accomplish all that God wants for us because in order to do that, we've got to stay very close to God. Isn't that right? And so if we want to accomplish, and we do, I believe, we want to accomplish all that God has for us, we've got to draw near and we've got to stay near. So, God has given prosperity to his people. He promises, you know, as we're, as, as, as we obey him, he's, he promises to take care of our financial needs. Yes, he does. And the devil has turned that into, into love of money and greed, hasn't he? The devil, the devil doesn't have prosperity to give. And so his people, the unsaved, are, are naturally they turn to love of money. They turn to greed because that's his uh, counterfeit for prosperity, isn't it? And he tries to convince us to do that too. God raises up leaders, servant leaders from among his people to lead and guide them. And the, the devil has turned this into a lust for power and control over others. It doesn't take long, you know, watching, uh, uh, watching footage of like the Senate floor or the, or the, the U.S. Congress, the House floor to see that man these people are are power hungry it's a, i mean they're crazy it, <laughs> sorry <laughs> but yeah, be nice okay <laughs> that's risa but um uh but it's it's all deception the devil has shown them has has gotten them to believe the lie that man if they can get power and control man that's everything that's the end of everything. God has given intimate love to married people. The devil has turned it into sexual lust, pornography, and even sexual assault. For his, uh, because the devil hates procreation, or the devil hates you know uh, 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 having babies because he can't create anything. Right. In fact, you see now. Now here we're back at the at, at the at at the juncture of of. Possibly, you know, the Supreme Court having an opportunity to put a stop to killing babies, to put a stop to abortion. And we're praying for them. Amen. How many are praying for them? All right. Yes. Yeah. But you know, when you think about it, even just naturally, why in the world would somebody kill an innocent life? Well, it's it's for the mother. You know, the the the, the mother's gonna gotta live her life. That's true. But you know, all of us run into you know have situations in our lives that we didn't plan, that we didn't want, but there are consequences, and unfortunately, victims have consequences too. But the answer is not to kill an innocent life. That's only sensible, isn't it? But it's but it's twisted. The devil twists it. He if if he could stop every birth from happening. He would be much happier. So uh, God's people have been delivered from the curse of the law, according to Galatians 3.13. They have healing, protection, abundant prosperity. But all the devil has is sickness and disease, danger and peril, and poverty to look forward to for his people sooner or later. You know, even those who are... Those who are unsaved, but seem like, man, their lives are just amazing. They've got more money than they know what to do with. And they have a, you know, they've got, they've got yachts that are bigger than all of our houses put together. And they just live a wonderful life. You know what? There's no way to live a wonderful life without Jesus. There just isn't. And many of us remember what that was like before we were saved too. You know, There may have been some outward things that were wonderful, but man, life was still just difficult. And a lot of those people that, you know, are, that, that spend the time on the yachts or live in mansions and things, but don't have Jesus, you know, they're still fighting depression. They're still dealing with things that we've been delivered from. And we're going to talk about that because some of us still are dealing with those things and we just don't need to. The devil tries to convince God's people to, to succumb to his curses, but his weapon to convince us is only deception. And we've got to see it. As believers, we need to realize that he's trying to deceive us. Now, his people, you know, Jesus talked about the Pharisees or talked to the Pharisees and addressed them as, you know, uh, you are of your father, the devil. And there's nothing that that the people who are of their father the devil can do except to follow the devil. But as believers, uh, well, or to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then, then their father changes, amen? But as believers, we don't have to follow the devil. The devil tries to deceive us, but as we spend time in the Word and in prayer, we realize what we really have we realize that that what we thought we had to deal with just by living on this earth we don't have to because we're saved because we can trust in our heavenly father so we have because of what jesus did we have no more sin nature Now, you're probably aware of the sin nature. You read about that. And, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, then every generation after that, they had that sin nature. They were compelled to sin until Jesus, until, until Jesus was born, until Jesus died, rose from the dead, you know, then people could accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, there were very few, uh, uh, uh exceptions to that abraham some of the the priests and prophets that god would deal with directly because they chose to listen to god to obey god and to stay close to him and to hear from him and so god would speak to them and god had especially with abraham had a personal relationship with him in fact uh romans 4 talks about about him uh, uh about uh, righteousness being reckoned to him because he believed god right so today, though, if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what happened then was our spirit was recreated. And that's what we were just reading about in 2 Corinthians 5 about, about uh, we are a new creation. Our spirit, now we've talked about this lots of times, we are a, tri, a, a, we are a three-part being, right? So we, have, we are a spirit that's the real us, the real core of who we are. We have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body on this earth because we have to. We have to function on this earth. Um, But when we were born again, our spirit was completely renewed, completely recreated. And that sin nature was gone when God recreated our spirit. And in fact, then he gave us the Holy Spirit to live within us. Now, Could the Holy Spirit live within us if we still had that sin nature? I don't think so. But the other thing is, like we said early on, God always does a complete work. And if he had recreated our spirit without without, without taking out that sin nature, then we would have to contend with that sin nature. Even though it feels like it sometimes, it feels like maybe we have that sin nature, we have to realize that we don't that it's gone, that we're completely new beings. Now, he didn't give us a new soul, a new mind, will, or emotions, and he didn't give us a new body. I think I've talked about that because I would have requested one that's just a little bit taller, if so, maybe a little thinner too. But but he didn't do that. That's not part of it. We are a new creation because our spirit is a new creation. That's the real us. And because that was recreated when we were born again... We didn't necessarily feel it with our bodies. We didn't really necessarily perceive it with our minds. But it's true. Our spirit is new, and we don't have we don't have a sin nature. So, what do we do then about the sin? You know, the devil. The you know, I I talked about these different areas that the devil tends to deceive people in, but. You know, everybody, we've, we've all got our thing. We've all got our area that it just seems like the devil knows to poke at that. You know what I mean? It just seems like he, like he always gets us to He knows where he can get us to trip up, and he always pokes at that. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a stupid thing to do on his part. But if we renew our minds to that and realize that when he's doing that, that we have power over that, we have authority over that, then it can change everything. It can change everything. Let's see. So what do we do then? I love this from Galatians 5.16. And this is what came to me last night as I was putting this together. Um, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let me read that, that from the, the Amplified Classic Version. It says, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, of human nature without God. And, of course, there's James 4.7 in the first part of 8. It says, therefore, submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. What I want to be clear about, though, is, you know, and and this is is a little more obvious with healing, but um, we need to depend on God. So we know that when we have a sickness or disease, you know, we can take some medicine, we can go see a doctor, we should. But we may get to the point where there's nothing more that we can do, and we've got to depend on God. So, do we need to do things? Do we need to, you know, can we heal? Can we do something to heal ourselves? No, we can't. We need to depend on Him. It comes down to that. So, with sin, because God wants, God wants a holy people. So, with sin, with sin in our lives, and I, and I should make a distinction, not sin, the body of sin, but our own sinning. I guess it's kind of a verb as opposed to a noun. Our own sinning, can we, we, we think it's all on us. We've just got to, we've got to use our willpower and say, I got to quit doing this. I got to quit doing this. Sometimes it's an addiction. You know, <clears throat> some of you may have noticed I have put on a little bit of weight over the last few months. And, and um, I'll be honest with you, be a little, maybe a little too transparent, but, but I have been eating too much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sin. To me, it's sin because I know better, you know? And so, and so my natural inclination is, I got to quit doing this. I got to quit doing this. I got to quit doing this. But God's, God's directive is, look to him. Don't focus on the sin. Don't focus on, on, on desiring what you, you know, what you know you shouldn't desire, what you know you shouldn't have. Focus on God. So what did that say again? Galatians 5.16, New King James, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what does that mean? It does mean live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. So it's a matter of just drawing near to God. It's not about works. It's never about works with God, is it? It's always about a relationship. It's never about works. But we do have to be diligent about spending time with God. You know, I think sometimes that, that you know, the, the, the part of the devil's deception is just keeping us busy. Busy, 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 busy. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that, but man, this is a busy, busy, busy society. And for believers, it, it means that we've got to prioritize our time. And we need to devote time to spending with God. You all are here on a Sunday morning. You've given a few hours on a Sunday morning to be here, to hear the Word of God and to worship Him together. That's huge. And to do that, to, to spend some time with Him every day and to get into His Word every day, to be cleansed by the washing of the Word, amen, but to learn His ways, to w- learn the truth It changes everything. And to walk in the Spirit then means to be directed by Him, to to be so close to Him that you know exactly what He's wanting us to do, and then obeying it, then doing it, not resisting, but just obeying Him. It's just like they sang this morning, you know, falling into the the loving arms of a beautiful father. I think I got that right. Uh, But thank you. It's just resting in Him. So, what do we do? I had it here too, um, Hebrews four, Hebrews four, fifteen and sixteen. It says, "For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses." You know, because Jesus, by the way, was tempted by the devil too. Only he didn't sin. Right? We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But in all point, was in all points tempted? as we are, yet without sin. So, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, we've applied that to other areas, and it's it's right to apply that to all kinds of areas where we need God's mercy and grace. But it certainly applies just in the area of cleansing ourselves before God. Letting God purify us. That's part of it too. When we know there's an area that needs to, that, that needs to change, we just go to his throne. Just go boldly to the throne of grace, knowing that we are his sons and daughters, that we may obtain it. And, and just ask him, Father, I'm here because Lord, that chocolate cake. I need your help. I need your grace, Father. You see that chocolate cake right there, Lord. I need you. And every time, though, it's not... It's The focus is on him. The focus is on him. Lord, I know that you've delivered me. I know that you've given me power over sin. So, Lord, you've said before that you don't want me to be eating that kind of stuff because it makes makes me too big. And so, Lord... Lord, I look to you. Give me your grace. Give me your grace. And that's what it, that's what it's all about. It's always depending on Him. So even as something like dealing with sin, purifying ourselves before God, or I, I keep saying that it really is positioning ourselves to allow Him to purify us because the work is from Him. Nothing that we can do ourselves is going to be very fruitful. Now, what's our motivation then? And I I love this. 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, those things that we shouldn't be doing, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work, so we do have a choice: we can draw near to God, we can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, or we can just give in and take the easy way and you know what, even if we do sin, you know there's always first John one nine and we're going to i mean you know, later in 1 John 1, it says, you know, if, if you say you don't sin, you're a liar, because you do. You don't have the body of sin, or you don't have the sin nature, the noun, but you sin, the verb. You do sin. And and what do we do then according, according to 1 John 1, 9? If you confess your sin to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all uh, unrighteousness. And I usually go like, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He takes care of that for us when we go to him. But there again, so so even after we mess up, we still go to him. We still go right to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I need your mercy. I'm sorry, Lord. I messed up again. I ate that entire chocolate cake, <laughs> and and he forgives you. You know and and. You know, and, and he cleanses me from unrighteousness inside. I have to I have to brush the crumbs off myself, but but on the inside he cleanses me. <clears throat> um, but we can choose. You know, we're believers, and if we sin, we're still gonna go to heaven. We still have fire insurance, but it's but but what's our life going to be like on this earth and then our rewards in the life hereafter? So there is a great house, and and we can be, we can choose to be vessels of gold and silver. But if we don't draw near to God, if we don't walk in the spirit, and if we do go on habitually uh, committing the, 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 the acts of sin, then we'll still be, uh, we'll still be vessels for God to use, but vessels of wood and clay, not so special, not so cool, still useful, but not so good. But we can aspire and we need everyone in this body of believers to 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 be vessels of gold and silver because of the call with which we were called because of the assignment that God gave this church and all of us individually he's asking us to be vessels of gold and silver to do that to to to, to cleanse ourselves or to again to position ourselves to allow him to cleanse us and receive that. And when we do mess up, we go to him, we ask for his mercy, we ask for his forgiveness, we confess it to him. We don't hide it from him like Adam and Eve did, right? We go to him and be cleansed and be forgiven. But we don't just let that sin go rampant in our lives. We want to draw near to him. Is that fair? Amen. Amen. Well, Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for for your word. I thank you for your truth, Lord. And Father, we are at a point of decision right now before you. So Father, Lord, help us to, Lord, just to to make the right decision with our lives. Father, speak to all of us right now in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not going to invite anybody to to come up front. But what I do want to do is while you're sitting there, think think about what you want with your life. You've already, if, if, now, if there is someone here who hasn't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you. I also won't call you up right now, but, but after the service, come down and I want, I want to pray with you. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you get to enjoy the blessings and the promises that we've been talking about. But if you're here and you are a believer, and you're ready to commit your life to to purify yourself, I did it again, to present yourself to God and allow Him to purify you because the work comes from Him, then let's just close our eyes right now and tell Him. You don't need to tell me. don't need to tell your neighbor. But tell Him, Lord, I commit to you. I want to be a vessel of gold or silver. In fact, I'd like to be a vessel of gold. Father, it's the cleansing comes from you. You've already done the work, but I commit to you afresh today, Lord God, Lord, to deal with sinning and not to allow it to, to take hold, not to allow it to have dominion or control over my life. Lord, you have control over my life. And so, Lord, today I commit to you to to obey you, to follow you, to walk according to the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Lord, I want to be the light shining in the darkness that you've called me to be. I want to touch those lives, Lord, that are around me that need you so desperately. And I just want to be you. I just want to follow you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you just, just, just solidify this, Lord, this commitment that we've made individually, Lord, those who have made it to you, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you, Lord, convict us when those, when those times come, Lord, that we're tempted to go back and forget about the commitment that we're making today. But, Lord, we desire you and we we open ourselves up to you and to your follow, or to your leading because we will follow you. And if you agree with that, say Amen. 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 Well, as I said, if, if you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come on down. Some of you may, you know, there may be sins or addictions in your life that, that you just want some prayer for. You want somebody to agree and stand in agreement with you that that, that, that power just breaks off. And we're here to do that, too. I'll pray with you. We'll have uh, prayer partners on both sides. In fact, if you're here now, the prayer partners, you can go, come on up. We have prayer partners, um, uh, but we want your life to be victorious. God called us us more than conquerors, and we have that. God's given it to us. Again, nothing God does is halfway. Everything is complete. And so when you commit afresh to him, then he's going to do everything you allow him to do in order to maintain that commitment amen amen hey let me remind you also we're going to have a prayer time with Kay barron shortly after after we close the service today uh for the mcintyre family if you'd like to take part in that uh there, she's just going to spend some time praying for them she's going to be right down here and so uh, so go ahead and do that we probably have some <clears throat> i will not be having any donuts today after that some <laughs> eating donuts may not be sin for you but it is for me so help yourself to those. But have a wonderful, wonderful week. And what does Pastor Donnie always say? Be nice nice to each other. Amen. Be blessed.